13 years ago, an unemployed computer technician called Guy Goma turned up at the BBC headquarters in London for a job interview. And this is what happened next. It's one of those classic cases of mistaken identity. And every time I see Guy's face as he just realises that he's been mistaken for that technology expert who's also called Guy, you just feel so bad for him, don't you? You just want to cringe and hide away. But of course he did an amazing job at just kind of blabbering on, on through and covering it all up. In some situations though, the, uh, mistaking somebody's identity is far more serious. That was why John the Baptist, he was so careful to clarify who he was. He didn't want anybody to mistake him for the Christ. That was because he wanted everybody to trust in Jesus. So we're going to read from John chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 19 uh, down to verse 34 uh, this morning. So John chapter 1 and verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. There's some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Now, we don't get much background information about John the Baptist here in this Gospel. It maybe seems that the Apostle John was assuming that we would all be familiar with the other, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. So we don't read about the remarkable story of John's birth, 
or his life in the desert, or his strange clothes of camel hair, or his strange diet of locusts and wild honey. Instead, John gets right to the heart of the matter. The true identity of John the Baptist. And this question arose because of the impact of John the Baptist's ministry. John's message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He called people to turn from their sins, to get ready for the soon coming rule and reign of God. And this message resonated with lots of people. So Matthew 3 tells us that people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. Many people accepted John's message and they were baptized to show that they were turning from their sins and seeking to follow God's way. Now, we may have expected the religious leaders in Jerusalem to be really happy about all of this. After all, people were getting right with God. People were committing themselves to Him. People were living in expectation of the coming of God's kingdom. But the problem was, John didn't fit into the religious establishment of the day. He hadn't been to the seminaries of the Jews. He hadn't risen up the ranks of the Pharisees or the priests. He was an outsider. And so the questions that they wanted to ask him were, first of all, who are you? Who do you think you are to come here and tell us about God's coming kingdom? And then secondly, why do you baptize? Why was John baptizing people? After all, baptism in John's day was supposed to be only for Gentiles, for non-Jews, for pagans who were wanting to convert to Judaism, to become part of God's people. So why was John baptizing Jews who were already part of God's people? What was he trying to say? Well, in response to this, John's reply was clear. I think we could summarize it in two ways, two, two phrases. First of all, don't trust in me. And then secondly, trust in Jesus. First of all, don't trust in me. Secondly, trust in Jesus. First of all, John made it really clear that he didn't want anybody to trust in him. He did that by clarifying who he was not and then who who he was. So first of all, John was not the Christ. The, The Jewish establishment sent a delegation of priests and Levites to find out and to question John. And it says in verse 20 of our reading, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. 
For centuries, the people of Israel had been waiting for the Christ to come. Christ is the Greek form of the, of the Hebrew word Messiah. And both of those words simply say, mean the anointed one. In the Old Testament, people were anointed with oil to appoint them to special tasks. And in John's day, there were many ideas about who this anointed one was going to be. Who this anointed one, what he would do and what he would be like. Some people thought the anointed one would bring peace to the nation. Others thought he would bring righteousness. Still others thought that he was going to lead a military revolution to overthrow the Romans. Then others thought that they would raise up the nation of Israel to worldwide prominence once again. So people had all these different ideas about who the Messiah was, who the Christ was and what he would achieve. And John, he wasn't rejecting or ridiculing the whole idea of the Messiah. In fact, he said the Messiah's appearance was imminent. That actually, the Messiah was in their presence, but they didn't even know about it. Verse 26, among you stands one you do not know. So he wasn't rejecting this expectation of the coming Messiah. But John wanted everybody to be clear. Whatever their idea of the Messiah was, and what the Messiah would do, John was not him. He was not the Christ. Neither, neither was he Elijah. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? Elijah, as many of you probably know, was a prominent and powerful prophet in the Old Testament era. And Elijah hadn't died. Because he went up alive, up, he was caught up, up to heaven, alive in a chariot of fire. And then at the Old Testament, at the end of the Old Testament, right in the very last book of our Old Testament, the prophet Malachi predicted that he would return again, just before the Messiah. So Malachi 4 and 5 says this, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And in a sense, John did fulfill this Elijah role as being a messianic forerunner. Jesus actually made that clear to his disciples later on. And yet John, he didn't want people to be in awe of him as if he was Elijah down from heaven. And so in in reply to this question, he just simply said, I am not. Then lastly, people said, are you the prophet? That probably refers to the prophecy given through Moses, way back in the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. It was a promise of a great leader who would speak God's truth to his people and lead them to freedom. Just as Moses had done. But John knew that he was not that great leader. 
So he simply answered, no. His answers got more direct and more to the point as he went through. He did not want people to look to him as being the ultimate revealer of God's truth or rescuer of God's people. Now, none of this was because John had a problem with uh, low self-esteem. He wasn't putting himself down. And it wasn't because he thought himself like nothing, or he was saying that his ministry was, it was insignificant or wasn't important. This wasn't a problem for, for John. When this delegation pressed him for an answer as to who he was, this is what he said, verse 23, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. He quoted from Isaiah 40, which was a promise about somebody who would come as a forerunner to the Messiah, who would get people ready, who would prepare the way for the Messiah to come. For them to receive the Messiah, to receive the Lord into their lives. And John, John saw himself as the fulfillment of that promise. And so he said in verse, in verse 31, the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So this is why John was so eager to confess that he was not the Christ. He was not Elijah. He was not the prophet. He did not want anybody to misunderstand who he was and mistakenly put their faith in him. Because he knew that his job was to point people to the real Christ. Ultimately to point people to Jesus. And when John did this, he said four amazing things about Jesus. First of all, he said that Jesus is the superior one. Look at verse 27. The, the amazing humility of John the Baptist. John declared about Jesus. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He comes after me. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Untying someone's sandals. It was the lowest of all tasks. Nobody else would do it apart from maybe one of the household slaves. So John was saying that he was not even worthy to even do that lowest of tasks for the coming Messiah. He wasn't saying that that task was too low for him and he was above that. He was saying he was even lower than that. He wasn't even worthy to be the Messiah's slave. Now, that wasn't because John had an unhealthily low self-esteem. Rather, it was because he had a proper perspective on how high, how amazing, how superior the Messiah really is. Even although John was older, and even though John started his ministry before Christ did, he understood that Christ was superior to him. And in some way, it was connected to the fact that John understood that his younger cousin was actually 
pre-existent. Look at verse 30. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. In some way, John understood that the Christ didn't start at Bethlehem when he was born. But he was before John even was born. So first of all, Jesus is superior. He's the superior one. Then secondly, he said that Jesus is the sacrifice for sins. When John saw Jesus coming to him, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the first of seven specific titles given to Jesus in this passage, in this section of John chapter 1, from verse 19 down to the end of the chapter. Seven titles that reveal who Jesus really is. And it's a title that is previewed throughout the Old Testament. Why did John call Jesus the Lamb of God? Well, for example... When Abraham was stopped by God from sacrificing his son, God provided a ram as a substitute to die in Isaac's place. Just as Abraham had told Isaac earlier, God himself will provide the lamb. Then when God rescued the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, they had to take a Passover lamb and kill that lamb and put the blood on the tops and the sides of the door frame because God had promised when I see the blood I will pass over you no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt and then also when Isaiah prophesied about the coming servant of the Lord who would suffer suffer for his people, whose death would would pay the price for other people's sins, who would be pierced for their transgressions. He said he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And all of these previews from the Old Testament all pointed forward to the ultimate Lamb of God. Our substitute who will die in our place. Our Passover Lamb who will set us free from slavery to sin and to death. Our sacrifice who will take upon himself our sin and take on board the punishment that we deserve. That's the core of, this, of the message of the gospel. This is who we need to look to. This is who we need to trust in. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thirdly, if we do trust in Jesus, then we can receive an amazing gift. As thirdly, John said that he is the, the Spirit baptizer. John, he had a ministry of baptism. We've talked about it already. He says, I baptize with water. Now, this wasn't Christian baptism, because that points to our salvation through faith in Christ. But it was a baptism of repentance. 
Expressing the desire to turn away from their sins and live a new life with God. But when Jesus came and he appeared before John, even though he didn't need to repent, Jesus was baptized by John. And when that happened, John said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit who indwelt him. But Jesus' ministry would also lead to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for everyone who trusts in him. John continued, verse 33, I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So the coming of the Holy Spirit revealed to John who was the Christ, that Jesus was the Christ. But it was also a preview of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see in this Gospel, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us new birth into God's family. And He gives us new life that will last forever. And He gives us new understanding of God's truth. And He gives us new power to witness to this world. But we can only receive this baptism of the Spirit through Jesus. The wonderful gift is for everyone who puts their faith in Him and His sacrificial death on the cross and His glorious resurrection from the grave. Jesus is the Spirit baptizer of all who put their faith in Him. It happens at the very moment that we trust in Jesus and we're brought into God's family. God, by His Holy Spirit, comes and lives within us. And it's a gift from Christ. But fourthly, He's also the Son of God. John declared, verse 34, I have seen and I testify Remember we were talking about last week about the testifying, the testimony of, of John in this gospel. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John understood and accepted the true identity of Jesus. But how did he know? How did he know that Jesus, his cousin, was the Son of God? Well, it was because it was revealed at Jesus' baptism. The other Gospels tell us that when Jesus came out of the water, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. So this is why John did not want anybody to mistake him for the Christ. He knew that Jesus was the infinitely superior one. He knew that Jesus was the only sacrifice for our sins. He knew that Jesus was the only one who could give us the Holy Spirit. And he knew that Jesus was the only one who was truly the Son of God. So he didn't want people to trust in Him. Instead, he wanted people to trust in Jesus. 
And this attitude is absolutely crucial for each and every one of us. The temptation that all of us as human beings have faced is to try and take God's place and God's role in our lives and in the lives of others. Again and again we're wanting to be like God. If you think back way back in the, the Garden of Eden, this was the temptation presented to the serpent, eh, by the serpent to Adam and Eve. Eh, eh, the serpent said this, God knows that when you eat of it, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. And since then, we as human beings have wanted to be like God in a whole variety of ways. For example, we've, we've put ourselves first in our lives. We want to be the one who's in charge. We want to be the one who leads. We want to be the one who decides what we do. And even be the one who decides what other people do. We ignore the fact that Jesus is the superior one. Secondly, we've tried to make ourselves right with God. We try and work our way to be right with God. We try and devise rules and laws and rituals and ceremonies all so that we are okay with God. Trying to pay for our sins our own way. Rejecting the reality that Jesus is the only sacrifice for our sins. He's the only way He could take away the sins of the world. Thirdly, we try and clean up our own lives. Change our own hearts. Try and sort out all of our own problems. Just roll up our sleeves. Try harder. Fix, try to fix our lives. And even try and fix other people's lives too. Refusing to accept that this is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And fourthly, we've tried to take the glory and the praise as if our accomplishments were through our own strength. Denying that Jesus is the only one who is worthy of all the glory and all the praise. Because he alone is the Son of God. And so we need to learn from John. We need to take on board his attitude and live it out in our lives. We need to remember who we are not. That we are not the Christ. And so we need to trust in Jesus because salvation is found in no one else. And then we need to remember who we are. That we are called to be witnesses of Jesus. And so our job is not to point people to ourselves. It's not to point people to our church. It's certainly not to point people to our pastor and it's or, or our doctrines or our lifestyle or anything about us. Instead, our job is to point people to Jesus. As Paul wrote, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, 
and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Folks, this is what we're called to. We're called to walk in the example of John. Make sure that we don't mistake our, our own identity and think that we can do what only Christ can do in our life. And certainly, not point people to ourselves, but point people to Jesus. Because He alone is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.